The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus told the disciples a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, Grant me justice against my opponent. For a while he refused, but later he said to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The Gospel of the Lord. sermon today is um, a little bit uh, wacky, um, um, partially because I did it, but, you know, my wacky brain, but it's also because I suspect that what I'm dealing with um, is a work in progress, and um, sometimes that happens. You get an idea, and it, it seems like it's percolating, and, and you think it's going to all come together. And it doesn't quite. So if y'all get nothing out of this sermon today, all you have to do is just smile, shake my hand, and say, glad you're looking better, and we'll be just fine. <laughs> I'll get the message. And three years from now, when I do it the second time, maybe it'll make more sense, okay? But anyway, I'm going to refer to my uh, written part today. Jesus told the disciples about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. Now, one of the things that's important about this is in Luke's gospel, Jesus does more, spends more time praying than in most of the gospels. It's a very important part of Luke's understanding of how one is in relationship with God. So he told them, you need to pray always and not to lose heart. Now, it doesn't take a whole lot of imagination when to realize that Jesus is facing Jerusalem. He's on that journey. He has a pretty good clue what's going to happen when all that comes down. So he knows the disciples are not going to have an easy time of it. And he knows that for sure there will be times when some, most, or majority of them will lose heart. They'll come back, most of them, but nevertheless, that's going to be a reality. And I suspect, like some words of wisdom that we've had given to us in our lifetimes, and we, when we heard it, it didn't mean much. But then some of our life circumstances, and then we remember. Remember when Aunt so-and-so told us, or Grandma said this, or Granddad this. Some of the words of wisdom, and they pop back up in our minds. Hopefully for the disciples, they would remember 
this notion that Jesus himself told us not to lose heart. What does it mean when we lose heart? Well, Debbie Thomas's blog that I look and read often, as you know, says these things about losing heart. It said it forms a weariness, a resignation, numbness in us. We can have despair, a lost sense of focus and direction. We can lose clarity and perhaps, perhaps begin to doubt God's intentions. We perhaps can even get irritable and cynical. I think most of us in our journey of our lives have felt most of those things at some time or other. Hopefully not them all at one time, because that would certainly be overwhelming. And yet, at the same time, I can think of some times in my life when basically most of that was true because some of it leads to the other. You become weary and resigned to a situation. You see no hope. and That does lead to despair. And once that happens, you think, well, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? I've been trying to negotiate it this way. And it hasn't worked. So what am I going to do now? Where do I turn? How do I get out of this mess? And then we can say, well, God, if you're there, I, I'm missing it. I could use a little help here. So we can get to that place where we just about become cynical, thinking, I don't get it anymore. I just don't get it. Well, I think it could be fair to suggest that the people of Judah that we've been listening to and hearing about over these last weeks as they had been run out of their own land and been captured by the Babylonians and they were living in exile. They have been there now for many years and Jeremiah is trying to encourage them. Jeremiah has been encouraging them all along the way, explaining to them initially, if you recall, about if you do not change your ways, the Babylonians are going to come in and take over. And they did. They didn't change their ways, so they did get taken over. So this is where that part about the sins of the children will be visited upon the parents or the sour grapes of the parents. Because the, the younger generations that are now in exile, that have been born, in exile, born into exile, they were not the ones who disobeyed. But because they're still in exile, they are being, quote-unquote, punished for what their parents did. Wouldn't, it's, just, it's just the way it goes. But anyway, we can perhaps think about this in our own time. We can see the, the position of the men and women and children of Judah and why, why Jeremiah is continuing to say, Yes, you're in this position, but God has not forgotten you. God is going to come to you. God is going to bring you out again. So he's been telling them this all this time, trying to keep them from losing hope. Probably not unlike God's voice comes to us when we're suffering and feel like there's no help anywhere. And then that small voice comes and maybe it's just for a moment, but it's enough to hold on to until the next moment 
when we know that God has not forgotten us. And so we want to be able to hear that voice so that we do not lose hope. Let me think about, ask you to think about some of the exiles that we experience, that our community experiences, that our state and our nation experiences. What about losing one's job? That's an ag- exile, certainly. For some of us, at the time of retirement, and it's a good thing, and we are ready to go and do other things. But sometimes those first months, as you're getting used to not having that office to go to, or not having that routine, or not being able to tell somebody to write a letter for you, all the things that change after you retire, it can feel like exile. I have seen a number of people go into fairly deep depressions because it's a land they didn't know or they don't know and they feel like now they are being, they're out of control because control was where they worked and what they did every day. What about not being able to get the attention of our children or maybe nieces or nephews or grandchildren? not even getting the attention of our spouse or significant other. Can we not, in circumstances like that, feel exiled from their lives or their life experience? We can feel like we're surrounded by familiar faces, but we feel like strangers in a strange land. Recently, and I mentioned to you that I went up to see my children in Chicago. And I realized, having stayed the longest time that I had, which was a week, with them in their current circumstances with a five-year-old and a two-year-old, two very heavily, heavy-duty, full-time jobs. And I felt like I had very, I didn't know how to get, reach them. A part of me just didn't know how to talk to them. Their lives were so, so stressful and so stretched out. And everything was down to the second because you had to be, I think I mentioned, you've got to be at the train exactly at that moment or you're half your day's loss if you're not there. And it's a different way from the way I live up here. And it was very hard for me. And it was hard for me to find a connecting piece I don't know if that makes any sense, but it was like I was out of my comfort zone. I was out of the life that I knew, and I entered into their life. And for that week, it felt like I was in exile. And one of the things I found myself wanting to do was to bring them back to my life where things weren't quite so stressful and didn't run on the half-second meter. So this is another thing. We can feel estranged. We can feel exile from the experiences that are going on around us that it, with people that at one point we were the center of their experience. And now we're peripheral. And that can feel like exile. And we can wonder, what influence can I have? What is my role in all this? 
We can feel exiled from our hopes and our dreams, even to the point of numbness and resignation. We can ask the teen who's worked his or her whole life to be proficient in a sport and then never makes the varsity, or if making the varsity, find themselves sitting on the bench season after season. Certainly they are exiled from how they saw their life happening. The musician who can't seem to break through to first or second chair, no matter how much they practice or how many lessons they take, they feel exiled from their dream and they wonder, where is God in all this? I have done, I have practiced, I have tried. Exile. We've all felt it, I think. Well, Jeremiah speaks to us into this void. He speaks to the people in exile and he says, God is moving, people. God is not deserting you. God is moving in a new time, a new relationship. You see, Jeremiah is encouraging the exile. He's saying, look, before God gave you laws, and the way things work seemed like here are the laws, and you do what you're supposed to, or you get punished. That's the way it's been, or so it seems, but I am giving you a new insight. Because God is entering into a new covenant with you. And what is that new covenant? I will lay my laws within them. I will write them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they will be my people. I will forgive their iniquity. And remember their sin no more. He's calling them home. He's calling us home. He's saying, I am not the God that's here just to give you a set of laws and give you a set of punishments. I am entering into your heart. I am forming you in my own image so that the heart, the rules will be in your heart. The laws will be in your heart. And you will live out of that. You won't be trying to take something on. You'll be trying to let something out. My love that's in you to be let out to the world around you. When we live like that, we no longer live in exile. Because God's love is reaching out of us, and that is a connector. And we connect with other people. Jesus came again to us. And when he came, the Jewish people were right back, the leaders of the Jewish faith were right back trying to make all the laws and make sure the people did every dot and tittle of them. And Jesus once more came and said, No, that's not how God is. God has written love in your heart, and you are to live out of that love. It's not about all the punishment. Yes, the laws are important. And you need to live, but you don't you live out of them. They're not thumbed down on you. Again, human beings had to be reminded of who God is and what God wants from us. Not to give up, 
not to feel exiled. So I end with this. What could be called an upside-down parable. The widow goes to the judge, and normally the widow represents us, and the judge represents the opposite of a loving God. But nevertheless, the widow goes and demands what she wants. And the judge gets so tired of her continuing to come, he gives up and grants her. Flip it. Upside down parable. Why don't we ourselves be the judge? Not fully respectful of anybody. And for the moment, let's pretend that God is the widow. It is God who continues to come to us and plead God's case with us to do justice, to love mercy, to walk with the Lord. You see, God keeps coming. He keeps coming to us and saying, people, get the message. I love you. You are mine. You're made in my image, and your heart holds my love. And if you can let that out, if you can own that, if you can allow that to be, your world will change, and my world will be more like your world. And so we pray. And so we pray. We keep on praying. God, let your love be in my heart and in my mind and on my lips. God, open me to feel you in me so that I can be more like you and know that I am not now nor ever be in exile from you. No matter how deep the water or dark the night, we are not in exile from our God because he's in our heart. You can't be exiled from your heart. You can't be. It ha- you and that heart have to work together. Think about it. God said, don't lose heart. Pray continually. Pray then that we can see God's love in our hearts and we can be more like God in God's world. Amen.